The Coaching You Podcast is presented by Huddle Basketball and Huddle Assist, your best solution to capture and analyze every aspect of the game from the first tip to the final buzzer. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You Podcast with the coach Brendan Sir, presented by Huddle and Huddle Assist. What a thrill today. Mike Rhodes, the head coach of VCU Rams, the only team, unfortunately, knocked out of the NCAA tournament on the men or women's side, is our guest today. He's a longtime friend, and I think you're really going to enjoy the things he's going to talk to you about from going through that incredible experience to also, you know, how they handled the pandemic the whole year and, you know, also his feelings about things like NIL, the transfer portal, and most importantly, I want you to listen at the end about his incredible coaching staff, and you can tell the affection and love he has for the guys he has. And there's no doubt why they're such good coaches, because he believes in them. So after this quick timeout, we'll be back with Mike Rhodes. Prepare like the pros with the new FastDraw. FastDraw is the number one affordable coaching tool used by pro and high school level teams worldwide. With FastDraw, you can save your plays and playbooks digitally, attach video and share with other coaches and your players in seconds. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching content resources through their blog and playbank, which features over 8,000 free plays and drills from their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Don't forget to use promo code CU10, that is CU10, to receive 10% off your next Fast Model purchase. Today is a special day. First of all, we're in May. Happy May. And then more importantly, one of my dearest friends in coaching, Mike Rhodes, the head coach of Virginia Commonwealth University, is here with us. Mike, welcome, my friend. Thanks, coach. Thanks for having me. Twelve years ago, we were reminiscing is when we first got a chance to meet and uh, when you went to VCU, and you know when uh, Shaka Smart went there, Will Wade, the coach at LSU, was there. Mike Jones, now the new head coach of UNC Greensboro, was there. Uh, absolutely an amazing coaching staff that a 32-year-old or 31-year-old Shaka Smart put together, huh? Kind of amazing. Yeah, no, it's we look back on it now as we're all getting old, right? <laughs> and just uh, shake our heads. We had such a great time and. Of course, getting to the Final Four was, you know, the the highlight of it. But for me, the relationships are, are have been special ever since, and we get a lot of a lot of fun times. And coach, you you know, you were a part of many of those. Just a good group of guys that loved basketball, loved what we did, and and we really enjoyed being around each other. You know, I, you know, in prepping for this, we were planned to do this now for a couple of weeks, and um, there were so many things I wanted to talk about. I don't really know where the hell to start, but I'm going to start, <laughs> which is not unusual for me as a coach. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. And you're free to, at any time, you know, make fun of me. I have no problem with that. You have that liberty. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that I I wanted to do is I wanted to go where kind of, I, you know, I, I actually cried, as you did, the night when, you know, they said your team couldn't play in the NCAA tournament this year. Um, yeah, thanks. And, 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 you know, you came out and you had to immediately do Zoom press conferences, you know, uh, basically telling how your team is and tell how they're feeling. Had to be one of the hardest things you've ever done. 
Yeah, oh, without a doubt. Just, you know, the, the best way I explain it when people ask me is just an ultimate gut punch, mm. right? You just, you're, you're so excited. We thought we got through the testing and we're here in the bubble. Two days of negative testing. We're ready to go. Guys are excited. And then, uh-oh, uh-oh. And then a gut punch that we're out. And it just, yeah, in my 25 years and, you know, in coaching, if you, the longer you coach, you go through everything. Yeah. I never thought I'd have a low like that. Uh, you just, you know, especially the way the week went, we were excited to be there and we thought we did everything the right way. And just a bummer, just a bummer. And I just, as much as I was bummed out because our guy, we couldn't coach it. I was just devastated for our players sure. because we weren't picked to be there this year in the in the dance, and we had a fun year. We had a great. This is one of my most enjoyable years coaching I've ever had coaching a team, and it was in the middle of a pandemic. And then we make the NCAA tournament, and then it was taken away. So just felt really really bummed out for the players. I remember we talked uh, during the season, and you were telling me how much you were enjoying this team, and uh, and oh, and. And your league is very, very tough. <clears throat> and one of the things that your league tried to do, I think, was they tried to be preemptive, maybe, and protecting the group. And they actually played your tournament, your conference tournament, early, except for the finals. Is that yes, correct? Yes, that is correct. So we had the quarterfinals and semifinals here at Richmond, yeah, at the University of Richmond, at a VCU. And then the championship game with... St. Bonaventure's uh, was a week later. That's Sunday, right before the selection show on, on CBS, of course. Um, and that was in Dayton. And, you know, whoever won that or if both teams made the tournament, we were just going to bust right to Indianapolis. So, you know, that was a decision they made. Uh, it doesn't matter if you agree or disagree. It, yep. It's what, what the office did. And sorry, we're going to make the best of it. And here we are. And, you know, I, I'm not sure what I would have looked backing on it, you know, it is what it is, but, uh, it was definitely different, but you know, to be honest with you, coach, I didn't mind it at first because we, the quarterfinals and semifinals, we had some guys banged up. Mm -hmm. So it gave us a week to prepare for say Bonaventures. And, you know, we didn't win that game and, and they had a heck of a team with coach Schmitz, you know, uh, at the helm, but, uh, it was a, uh, it was just interesting to take a week off to prepare for a championship game, but it is what it is. In the middle of pandemic, one thing we said all year long was everything's going to change, you know, on a drop of a hat. So we're just we're going to go with the flow and be prepared for all the changes. And with a young team, I thought our guys did a heck of a job all year long, being resilient. Resilience is a great word, and. Uh all these words that we're coming up with. This was a uh, mindset year, I think, for college basketball, more than even a physical year. The The idea of just getting tested so many days, the pressure on young people and coaches, you know, it's the only time you wanted to fail a test, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I will tell you, like, I, I could tell you three things. Uh, the day before we went up to play St. Bonaventure, Bonaventures, are, we're ready to practice. The trainer comes to me, two guys have fevers. Oh, I went geez. on the court. I said, guys, you have 15 minutes. Get shots up. I got to kick you out of here in 15 minutes. We didn't have practice. We got on the right. They were okay the next morning. So we were going to – so, so no, yeah, we, the next morning we were flying out to go right to St. Bonaventures to play. Unbelievable, right? Uh, we had false positives at George Mason. So one of our players and our trainer couldn't play in the game the next day. 
So those guys got on the, they got on a, they rented a car and drove back to Richmond, went in a hotel. And, you know, I felt like it was Randolph Macon. Uh, I thought I was going to be taping the ankles for the game the next day. You know, it was, and that, that was one. And then uh, at the end of the year, we had uh, a couple of people on staff, you know, sort of have false positives and they were out of commission for a couple of days. And it was the next man up. How do we help each other? And like those three things, and I could add 20 more, like every program in the country, but you just, your mindset, hey, whatever is thrown at us today, we're going to figure it out because we all want to play games. The other thing I I, I heard you mention uh, was in relationship to the NC2A is of the, what, what were there, 68 teams, you were the only one that was disqualified, you know? Yes, yes. And, and on that, the women's side, that's probably the same makes thing. It, more right. of a bummer than yeah. anything. I, when it, when when we, you know, we were told we couldn't play, and I'm thinking, you know, they have a couple more weeks of this, and they're gonna have. There's gonna be another team or two, oh, and I, there wasn't. I, which I'm really glad. I'm, you know, and honestly, I'm glad we were the only team. We'll take it. You know, we could handle it, uh, and and we'll figure it out. So I'm glad nobody else. But I was shocked that there was nobody else. I thought it, I I didn't think it would be as successful as it was. I really didn't. <clears throat> it's just uh, well, too yeah. Hard. I thought they. I thought the NSA did a great job. Dan Gavitt did a great job with the hotels, with the with the transportation, the bubble, and how organized the bubble was. Now, mentally, being in that hotel that whole week was not easy for our guys or for us. You know, sometimes you just want to get out and get some fresh air, and you had to schedule that time over at Victory Park <laughs> and. If it was raining, you had no chance. So, but the way they organized it, I mean, I mean, my my hat was off to them. And I even said to Dan Gavitt when he called and apologized and you know, saying that we couldn't play, I didn't fault him at all. Uh, I, to be honest with you, it just tells you how good of a job they did that there was only one team uh, that couldn't play. Yeah, Mike, how many guy or how many people on your team actually uh, were ruled out? Well, so we had one play when we started June fifth before the season. We had one player get a positive in July. We didn't have any players all all the way through the season have any positives. We had one false positive. Oh that was God. it. We had not one positive. We had a couple staff members uh, in November, right before the season started. Uh, two two staff members were positive. And so they stayed. They stayed away for three weeks, and we had nothing else the rest of the year. When you say staff members, when you say staff members, are are you saying coaches or non coaches? No, no, non coaches. Wow, non coaches. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. So your players and and staff uh, and coaches stayed healthy. That's phenomenal. Yes, phenomenal. And they and we were young, so I thought, oh, we're going to have some issues. No, our guys. I was so proud of them all year long, and then. When we got to, uh, we tested two two times and everybody was negative, and that's when Jimmy Martelli, our, our Dobo, and I, we felt all right. We're in the clear, and then we had one Wednesday, one Thursday, and then two Friday, and one coach going into Saturday morning, and it was just what you know the Marion County Department of Health just said: there's a cluster of positive tests in your group. We have to eliminate it. And we, uh, I understood that. I understood that because they were worried about your the team you were going to play that night. Too. Of course, yeah, and then and the to be honest, why they were right was the following week we had another player and another coach get positive. How about that? 
the following two. I, the coach was a was a non coaching position, but he was a staff member. Staff member, right? Yep. Well, um, so let's go before we get off of this. Tell me about what what did you feel? What <laughs> I I never thought we were going to play. I'm going to say that back last summer. I really didn't think we were going to play. That's how bad, right? It was, you know, in the south where we were, you know. Uh, yep. You know, I, I just didn't think it was going to be. And, and then what did you – how hard was this compared to anything you've ever done as a coach? Oh, nothing. Nothing is close. I will say I lost my father right before the first day of practice in 2008, my last year at Randolph-Macon. He was killed by a drunk driver uh, yeah. back in Pennsylvania. That was the hardest thing for me personally – and and that was more, you know, a person. We all go through that, right? Sure. We all go through death and tragedy. So that was what I was dealing with that season. And my players and my team were were helping me. This this was so different and crazy because we were doing everything to help each other, and it was changing all the time. You understand what I mean by that, sure. Coach? Like, yeah. it, every it was changing on June fifth when our guys were coming back. It was voluntary, so some guys came back, some didn't. And we had we had these parameters, and we have an infectious disease doctor here at, at VCU Health, uh, Doctor Beerman, who's on top of this. I mean, he's the CDC talks with him, and wow. he 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 came down to our practice facility and helped us put together a protocol. It was amazing, but I'm like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this just to play basketball? Now, I don't care about the financial part. That's not why. I, that's other people to think about. But I'm so glad we got back together because what would have these guys done if they didn't have basketball or trying to get to something? Right. Good point. And Great point. that was my thing. I, I, I want these guys to be together. I want them to be in the gym, in the weight room every day. I want them to be a part of, feel like they're a part of a team. Because you saw the craziness of this pandemic, what it did to a lot of people at any age mentally. I didn't want our guys who, you know, these guys, all these college basketball players, they think of themselves number one as basketball players. And for them not to have a gym to go to or a team to be around, I was worried about. So we put that together, and I agree with you. I I wasn't sure we were going to have a season. But as it moved along and we were getting closer to it, I'm like, we're going to try to do this. I'm just not sure it's going to, it's, we're going to make it. And for us to move along like we did and, and uh, with the leadership we had here and, and a lot of other places had it from their doctors and their administrators. I mean, it was, it was pretty impressive how, how it got rolling. Thanks for sharing that. Mike, we're going to come back after a quick timeout and we're going to talk about the A-10, the great teams and coaches in there. So we'll be right back. You got it. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just a box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. 
Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's H-U-D-L dot com slash assist to learn more. MindView is an amazing, amazing company that literally is just releasing a platform. They have developed an incredible assessment that we have just totally, totally been blown away with. Because on this assessment that you can take in a matter of 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes on your phone, the things that you've never been able to measure before, like resilience, grit, hope, adaptability, all these things, they are able to measure them as to how you're thinking and feeling right now. This is a game changer as far as I'm concerned. I'm a strength finder guy. I love all that. But MindView is the latest technology. It is just literally coming on the market right now. The platform that they've created is second to none. The emphasis right now on your players' mental wellness is unprecedented. I'm sold on MindView. Now it's your turn. For more information about MindView, M-I-N-D-V-U-E, please contact the COO, Cleet McQuinn. His email is cmcquinn at mindview.com or visit their website at mindview.com. Back with Mike Rhodes, the head coach of VCU. Mike, uh, the A-10 is really one of the real undervalued conferences in America. That Big East, uh, just American athletic, you know, non-Power Fives, but you have teams that can whip every Power Fives teams on a given night. So talk about how that was for you coming from Conference USA, from Rice, back to a team you were familiar with, but they weren't in the A-10 when you left, right? No, uh, we we were in the A-10 two seasons, okay. and then I left for Rice. So okay. I got a little a little taste of it. I had some scout reports of some really good teams and players, and, and as you know, ph- phenomenal coaches. So I did have a little bit of it. But it's a whole different – when you move over another seat, Coach, <laughs> it's a whole different game. And it was uh, – you know, it was it was fun. You know, you dream as a coach as you're, as you're trying to, you know, make your way in coaching. Man, I would love to be in the A-10, right? I grew up in Pennsylvania, so I watched A-10 games since I was a little kid. And, and I just remember the great coaches, the great players, some awesome teams and rivalries. And now to be a part of that. I still pinch myself all the time. And, like, I remember my first overnight basketball camp I ever went to was St. Joe's. Wow. And I remember playing pickup games in Hagen Gymnasium. And here, you know, my first year, we go play at St. Joe's. Like, this is crazy. And then, you know, the big five, of course, LaSalle. And and then I remember, you know, I watched the John Calipari teams at UMass. And then we go play at UMass. Like, this is crazy. So, you know, that's the dream part that's become a reality. That's a lot of fun. But the one great thing about this league and the respect I have for so many coaches, uh, I think the coaching in our league is superior to many others. I think uh, coaches don't just coach their teams. They have programs. They've built programs that have lasted uh, different rosters, uh, different time periods, and, you know, guys that have won Lots and lots of games, but have beaten everybody in the country. So that's pretty special to be a part of. A year ago, <clears throat> pre-pandemic, going into the pandemic, Dayton was a team that could win the national championship, I thought. 
Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, and and you have always had great rivalries with Anthony Grant and his tremendous program. And Obi Topping, I thought, I thought was you know it was the player of the year, and I thought it was a guy that was going to just come in and light up the NBA. Um, you know, but you know, talk about Dayton when when Anthony had going there two years ago. Well, they were just so. I mean, they had a collection of very good players. But they had a collection of great role players, guys that shined in their role, which everybody wants to be the man. I think Coach Grant got those guys like they were the man in their role, mm. and they accepted that. And um, you know, Obi Toppin, of course, led the way. But then you know, Crutcher was a heck of a guard for them. And then they had other guys that just I thought were stars in their roles. And they and when they, sometimes they had to have big games for their for, for, for them to win, they did that. And they guarded you. Their offense was so efficient. They shared the ball. And you could tell that they were playing for each other early in the year, and that never stopped. And honestly, I think, Coach, I agree with you. I think the only thing that stopped them that year was the pandemic. Yeah, I thought them and Gonzaga could have competed, seen them both in the final game. That's I how agree. good I thought they both were. Um, but let's talk about, you know, you know, as, when you came, uh, and when you came with Shaka, and I know we're going back about you know twelve years to the nine ten season, I think it was. You know, uh, yep. You know, you came from a D three program down the road, but you were you you you've been the guy with ten years as a head coach. <laughs> but when you came there, if I'm not mistaken, and 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 you know when you when you came there, all of a sudden. For a guy that's going to call his first time out, Shaka Smart, a young guy that's really talented in many ways. How did he, he wanted to come in and try his style of play? Talk about why we don't see more teams pressing like that. I, I think it's such a disruptive thing now. Yeah, well, number one is is the belief like. You have if you're gonna do that, you know you lose control of the game. You don't have your hand on every button. You don't have mm-hmm. your hand tightly around the reins all the time, because as the game, the style of play, uh, it takes it takes. I'm not gonna say coaching out of it because everything we do was so well scripted, right? And what we worked on, but uh, you have offensive and defensive um, flow to it that takes takes you you from not controlling every every play every call i say you have you have to take your hands off the reins when you play our style uh but i will tell you this and i this is where it where i'm such a believer in it at randolph macon i was a a a pack line guy because that's what i knew and I played for a high school coach that pressed, and but I played for a college coach and worked for Hal Nunley at Randolph-Macon, where it was pack line. Uh, so you're in control of everything, every single movement, every single uh, defensive possession. But also, it slows the game down so much that you have you don't have a lot of possessions in the game. So your offense better be pretty darn good. And when when I went with Shaka to VCU and we were going to play this style, it reminded me in, in high school. We pressed every game and created offense for each other, and I'm not. We had good offensive players, but we didn't have to be perfect. And th- there's less pressure on performing at such an efficient rate on offense when you can create turnovers and and push the style of play in your favor. 
And I think that has really helped us build this brand that we have. But it's also allowed our guys to play more freely than tighter. And, uh, you know, I think the world we live in where there's more anxiety and more self-pressure on guys, I think our style of play allows them to be a little more instinctive and, and not looking over their shoulder or not worrying about making mistakes. And I think it's really helped us. You know, with, um, you know, your NCAA men having 13 scholarships in this year, the ability to bring any player back on your team that wants to stay, uh, you could even have more than 13 on your, on your team theoretically, right? Um, right. You know, I would think that style of play and a quick style offensively would be good to get a lot of players involved, engaged in playing in the game as opposed to, I know some coaches that play six and seven guys every night. Right, right. That was the best thing about my first year at my first year at VCU. I thought the morale in our program and moving forward because was was very high compared to other programs. Just because when you walked in the gym after a game and you're the number nine, ten, eleven, you played significant minutes, but you also played when the game was on the line. Mm-hmm. Because of our style of play, you had to play a lot of guys, and it just created great morale, especially. For guys that come in after a game and say, I want more minutes, I'm going to work. So competition and practice throughout the whole year was at a high level. I, I think that was something Shaka created. But playing a lot of guys creates morale. And look, our pl- college basketball players, Coach Sir, they they judge themselves on play on what type of player they are. And you can't judge yourself on what type of player you are if you're not on the court. So at our place, I think it creates great morale because we have a lot of guys playing. You know, one of the things I remember Rick Pitino and I were doing a clinic, you know, I was early in my NBA career and he was, I believe, at Providence at the time. And maybe uh-huh. and maybe he was just going uh, to the NBA, to the Knicks. And I remember we're doing a clinic and all of a sudden uh, he says, the reason that I play the style I do is because I know all of you guys out there are going to have your notebook with 40, 50, 60 man-to-man plays. And yep. maybe you got one press offense. And yep. oh, and the other thing we're going to do is we're going to play some zone because if you're a really good coach, you probably got three zone offenses. And I'm like thinking to myself, shoot, I didn't have I, – I, when I was in college playing, I had one. <laughs> you know, Right, right. You know. right no, I think, you know, I think our style of play messes with the other team's st- – their style yeah. and their plan, plan of attack. And um, we might not get steals early in the game, but there's a cumulative effect. Yeah. We might get steals early in the game that changes your whole game plan. And, you know, I love to say it's, it's just what we do. And, you know, people say, you know, what happened if, you know, you have trouble against this team and that team? Well, over the course of the game, I think we're going we're, we're gonna to win out with style of play because this is just what we do. Now, you know, we do one thing. We, when I came back here, we emphasized the importance of sitting down in half court and getting stops. Right. Because that's, you know, and – We've added some principles of pack line to what we do when we get in the half court and being able to audible at times. And uh, that, you know, our numbers in the half quarter have been really good. And that's, you know, that was from my days at Randolph Macon and learning from Coach Nunley. You got to be able to, late in the season, sit down in quarter court defense and guard people and stop them. And we've, you know, we've gotten better and better at that uh, since I got back here. Yeah, I, I often 
talked to Billy Donovan, and I told him when he went to the NBA, I said, don't stop pressing. And he said, what do you mean? I can't press in the pros. I said, Patino did. And people don't think he did, but he did. And, yeah. I know, and I know I was with a Hall of Fame coach in Chuck Daly, and he was nervous and scared as could be every time we played. Every darn yeah. time. And you know what? And, and it bothered us. And then Rick would come and mess us up some nights because we would have three days off before we played Rick. And all of a sudden, Rick would come out and pick us up at half court man-to-man. And Chuck was like, I can't believe he's not pressing. Right, about, right. And about six minutes later, he'd press. We couldn't even get the ball in like three times in a row. And uh, so I, I, I think you can do it. And I think you can do it with your second unit, too, in the pros. Yep. You know, so. Yep. I just think it's it's different, right? So if, if you don't have the best of the best, then you better have the best of the best plays. If you don't have the best of the best or the best of the best plays, then you better be very different. And that's something that can be different in. And I, I like that. Well, I like that. You, well, you know what? One of the thing, and we'll take a break in a second, but one of the things I look at, I'm looking at the NBA this year, and again, it's kind of an insane year. There's teams that are getting beat by 30, 40, 50 points. You know, I've ne- we've never seen this before, and it's because of the insane schedule they're playing with two, three games in a row, back-to-backs all the time. And I'm saying they want to play fast. They don't want to play with a center. I said they should be pressing. Two- I saw Miami the other night, 2-2-1. Two, two, Three-quarter court press. You know, why not? Why not? Right. Don't let them come down. And at down the worst, you might not get a steal, Coach. But now the shot clock, instead of them getting up the court at 19, they get up the court at 13 or 12. They can't even run a legitimate set at the pace they want. And uh, th- and then that leads to bad shots. Exactly. And in the NBA, there's already a lot of bad shots. So add another third to that. I think it puts you in good position. Remember, they only have eight seconds to get the ball over in the NBA half court. I wish we, I wish we had that. I, I agree wish with we you. had that. We're going to take a quick time out, and then we're going to come back with our final segment with Coach Mike Rose. Hi, this is Brendan Sir. I'm talking to coaches, PE teachers, ADs, and camp directors because I'm so excited to announce our newest Coaching You podcast partnership with my friends from 360 Hoops. What if I told you that I've witnessed the most innovative game, training, and exercise for kids that I've seen in decades? 360 Hoops takes up less space than traditional basketball and allows for more players to get involved in developing their basketball fundamentals. The three-sided basket is attached to wheels for easy transportation and can adjust from 7 to 10 feet. The uses are endless, from elementary and Middle school recess to physical education class it can also be used for team practice and skill development training for teams with players of all ages. For more information, visit www.play360hoops.com. To learn more about this new innovative product, make sure you mention Coaching You for a 10% discount. We're thrilled to have our longtime partners and friends at Dr. Dish Basketball on board as sponsors of the Coaching You podcast. Dr. Dish machines are undoubtedly the most user-friendly and advanced machines in the world of basketball today. Dr. Dish has completely revolutionized and reimagined the shooting machine to provide the best solution on the market. Join top programs around the world like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, and countless others and upgrade your shooting machine to Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish machines are the best way to increase purposeful reps in your program to get players better, faster, 
while tracking progress along the way. Dr. Dish provides so much more than just your standard shooting machines with custom training, pro trainers, and coaches on demand, real-time and detailed analytics, and top-of-the-line drills and workouts. If you're looking to take your program to the next level, look no further than Dr. Dish for the best basketball training machine in the world. If you have an old machine that's just collecting dust in your gym, did you know that you can trade that in to Dr. Dish for up to $1,500 off and get a new dish? Make sure to give our friends at Dr. Dish a follow at Dr. Dish B-Ball on Twitter and Instagram for great daily drills, workouts, tips, and inspiration. Or contact us at drdishbasketball.com. Don't forget to mention Coaching You or our podcast for $300 off your purchase. Back with Mike Rhodes for VCU. Mike, what what's the biggest challenge that you have now going into next year coaching? Not maybe maybe for you at VCU, but you'd see in college coaches in general. Well, I mean, timing-wise, coach, um, just sort of exhaling here now, finishing strong. This was a long mental year for our guys, for our staff, for our support staff. Uh, you know, I want I want our guys here after a couple of days here with exams to just take a big exhale and go home and be a normal kid, go home and eat mom's good meals, go to your high school gym and play pickup and get back to somewhat normalcy as best we can. But I want them to honestly, I want them to take the month of May and make it a great mental health May as we're calling it. Uh, I want our players to go home and just, you know, enjoy sleeping in their own bed and, and getting recharged and I'm, I'm doing that with our staff as well. And I think the biggest thing is, even though some things will always be different now, right, in college basketball and how we do things uh, in the world, I, I want our guys to understand what got them to where they're at right now, and let's see if we can do it at a higher level when they get back here in June. Boy, that's a heck of a point. I love mental health, May. I, I think that is just an extraordinary idea. I haven't heard that from anyone else. I think uh, – I think has have how have you addressed the vaccine with your players? Just educating them on it. Um, you know, the one thing uh, making them understand. Uh, you know, the the year that we just had with all the the contact tracing and the testing and all that stuff of getting vaccinated can eliminate some of that, mm-hmm. and also uh, you know keep you from transmitting it to family members. That's the biggest thing for me is. I don't want to give it to my mom. She's 80, 80 oh, years old. Absolutely. Uh, she comes to all our games. She comes down and sees her grandkids. I don't want to give it to my wife. I mean, during the season, she's our rock. And, you know, that's what I keep telling our guys, that you're the healthiest group in the world. So you getting the vaccine isn't just always best for you, but it's best for the people that you love around you uh, because we don't have to transmit it to others. That's the education part. You know, we have some doctors uh, talking to our guys and our our health people. Uh, But it's uh, also, I I get how people feel about vaccinations as well, and I respect their opinions. But to me, it's just about educating our guys the best they can so they can make a a decision that they feel is best for them. You know, I mean, I'm hearing all this anti-vaxxing out there, you know, and and I'm saying to myself, I'm trying to recall that when your kids are much younger, uh, that when we put them in school, we have to bring all their vaccines, you know, to, or yep. else they don't get in school. 
and I I can't even leave my four dogs at a kennel unless they have up to date shots for crying out loud. So exactly, yeah, and it's it's preventative, right? Of course, it's all yeah, preventative. They but before to- you do that, you want to make sure whatever you're putting into your body that you know about it and that it's not going to harm you now and it's not going to harm you down the road, right? And because of the the panic of COVID-19, right, when yep. it started and all the craziness that we had to endure for the last year, I understand why people have you know trepidation about it. And, and I get it and I totally respect it. But the only way we can help people understand the vaccinations by educating them and then hopefully they make the best decisions that they feel is for them. And, you know, I, I, you can't make people do things that they think might harm them. I get that. But what we can do is help people understand why. Like my son got it uh, th- yesterday. He got his vaccination yesterday. You know why he got it? Because my mom's coming down. Uh, and Logan is it. Logan's playing AU now. He's all over the place. And uh, one of his teammates just you know, is in contact tracing. That could be Logan. Logan might not have one symptom, but he can transmit it to my mom or somebody else. And that's why we got it. Plus, he doesn't want to miss football practice and basketball practice and camps this summer. That's great. And this this will help him. So it's the same thing I'll tell the players as I told him, uh, and we'll go from there. I think a lot of schools are going to have some uh, protocol themselves about the vaccine. I think the NCAA may, is looking into it. So that could change things for sure. But um, for us, we're just going to educate everybody as best we can. Yeah, I think that that's fantastic, and that's a great way of doing it. Education is the key, and that's you're in that great environment right now where you that's what you do for every day is educate. Yep, you know, absolutely. Mike, what is uh what what does June, July, and August look like now for a college coach as opposed to last summer? Well, just you know, we want to get back on the recruiting. Um, <laughs> I, I said it. I called it the bike the other day, right? We fell yeah. off the bike and put it in the garage for a year. Now, <laughs> like we want to. I want to get back on the road and evaluate kids and, and go to some other somebody's gym or, you know, these facilities and watch some games. Now I've I've gone. My son is 16 and he's playing AU, so he's had a couple recent weekend trips and I've had a blast doing that. But man, it's just I just love watching a lot of games all day long and evaluating players that can come to VCU or or elsewhere. Uh, so we're getting organized to do that. We're not going to have camps this summer, Coach, just yeah. because of all the protocol stuff. We're going to give it another year to allow, uh, you know, put all that camp stuff in order. That's a bummer because this will be our second summer in a row in 25 years. I'm not involved in camps, but uh, the safety part to me is is most important. So, uh, But we're getting excited. Our guys will come back in June. We'll have eight weeks straight where they'll have a summer class, and we're going to see that, you know, we have five new 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 newcomers, players that we're really excited about to mesh with the 10 we have returning. So, you know, we, we're calling it the 10 plus 5 summer. Uh, th- those five guys got to become us. We can't become them. And uh, we're really going to challenge them to jump right into this this group we have here that has got had a great year. And let's see if we can take another step further. Talk about the portal to me uh, and how your observations of it, your feelings about it, and uh, any any points that you can make that from the experience. Yeah, well, I'm a little different than maybe some other coaches with it. You know, I agree. It is pretty crazy, right, of, of the numbers and, and what every you know, the negative part that are coming from coaches. This is crazy. This is going to ruin our game, this and that. But this is this is society now. You know, there's, there's new generations now that look at things differently. 
Um, if they don't like their job, they're going to find another job. Uh, they may not be, they, they may have a great job, um, but they feel that they don't have enough free time or it's too stress or anxiety induced. So they change jobs. And these are people that have Ivy league degrees. Like the society and culture is different than it was coach 10 years ago. Of course, 20 years ago, we could fight that all we want, or we could accept it and learn to understand it. And what makes young people who are different now than they were when I was young, right? Um, different. So we got to learn that. We got to understand that. So fighting it doesn't help. Now the transfer portal, there is a place if if you're not happy where you're at or you you're looking for something else, there's a place guy, players can go to to maybe have other options. It is what it is, right? Sure. So uh, for me, if I have very positive relationships, successful positive relationships with our players, and they have a great experience here. Hopefully they don't leave. Look, we had a player last year who was an all-conference player, would have been maybe captain of the team, and he and his father decided that he uh, that he needed to go elsewhere to have a better chance at a future, a professional future. And it wasn't a bad relationship or it wasn't a bad situation. He thought there was something different out there. That's going to happen. That's been happening for a long time. It just sure. happens more. So. Some of that we can't control. What we can control is having great relationships with our players. Honest talk, as I like to say, truthful, honest talk all the time. So we're all on the same page and then make the best of what, what, what we're trying to do and make this place such a great place. Guys don't want to leave. They just want to come here uh, because it's a big family, but doesn't mean it's perfect. And uh, I think that's going on all over the world and, and not just in college basketball, that things have changed and, people making changes early in their life is, is what is sort of the norm nowadays. Mike, talk about the NIL and all that. How do you think it's going to affect your program um, and others? There's so much unknown about it because no one can decide what the hell it's going to look like yet. Yeah, because well, now that's, government's the, that's involved, the tricky et cetera, part yeah. is that you're right, the unknown coach, right? The unknown, the legislation, Right. But we're preparing for it. We just hired a firm, a consulting firm that will help us understand it all and help us with the, the branding of it and making our guys understand the importance of it. So like you and I, you have a name, Coach, and you have a brand. Our players, they have a right to have a name and a brand. Um, I you know, As I tell them, I said, if you can make money in college and, and help you and your family out, so be it. Let's, let's do it. As long as at this point in your life, right now at, at VCU, as long as it's not interfering with your basketball career and your, of course, your academics, because if you play for me, you're graduating, right. and uh, you got to become you got to become an educated man to do well in this world. So you, we could go out there and, and you could have your name on a billboard, or you can make money for how many people like what you say on Twitter. Let's do it. That's great, but not not when it gets in the in the way of your your career your academic career and your, and your basketball career at VCU um, that, you know, that, that comes down to me and the players relationship and understanding that that's the most important thing. But the, I think the, the, the craziest thing about this coach will be just us not knowing mm -hmm. what it unfolds at each school and in, in each state, depending on the legislation. So we just got to, you know, educate ourselves and prepare for it. But we're already VCU. We're sort of out in the forefront here of, of, of getting people, professionals that can help us understand this, so we could take off running for it once it's once it's we're able to do it.
I love that. I think, you know, I being so familiar, you know, coming up to VCU on m- numerous opportunities, uh, I, I absolutely think you have one of the best practice facilities on co- in college basketball. Uh, what a commitment they've made there. And your arena, of course, the Seagull Center is, you know, one of the great, great environments to ever play in or coach or watch a game, you know, in college basketball. Talk about the importance of why that is VCU for your players. <laughs> Well, it's, it's the tradition uh, that so many awesome people have helped build here at VCU that basketball, you know, is the front porch of the university. Um, a lot of, you know, the, a lot of the branding of the university uh, has worked so closely with basketball. And, and basketball has been out in the forefront at, uh, representing VCU for a long time, well well before any of us got here, that's for sure. And, it will continue after us, and they, they want it to be important. As important it is for them, for us to be successful and win, they want us to do it the right way, which, which you know, it sort of epitomizes me and what I'm about, the way I was raised. Like, you could, you could do things the right way and still win at a high level and show off your program and your university, and VCU does that at the highest level. And we built a $25 million practice facility a few years ago, and um, – it's unbelievable. I, you know, it's a whole block. The women have the same exact thing that we have on our side of the building. And when you walk in here, you see the importance and the commitment that our school has made to basketball. But then the Seagull Center, as you know, Coach, it's one of the hardest places to play if you're a visiting team. We have 166 consecutive sellouts. We have one of the best pep bands in the country. What I love about the Seagull Center, how crazy and loud it is, is one thing, but the, the vibe, the diversity. Um, we, you could have a, a surgeon who has season tickets from VCU Health sitting next to a truck driver, sitting next to a teacher, someone from the country in Goochland County right outside of Richmond to, to somebody that lives in Gilpin Court right downtown uh, in the city. And I just love that vibe. Like, that's who we really are. And our fans show that off. Our, our student body shows it off. And, of course, and of course, our team shows it off. And I think that's why it makes a special place and why so many people identify with our program. I, I, I think it's incredible, incredible environment to, to practice in and play in every day. But I would be re- totally, totally remiss if I didn't mention the guys that I know. And you have one of the really, really great coaching staffs in the country. Talk about your guys. Oh, without a doubt. Um, you know, Brent Scott, and J.D. Byers, and Jamal Brunt, you know, the three of those guys, you know, they're somewhat veteran coaches now. They've all <laughs> had some great experience. And, you know, J.D. was a, was a great, uh, you know, national player of the year out of Division Three, And he started in Division Three and worked his way up, played, worked for Mike Jones at Radford, then came with us to Rice. And, of course, being here, you know, he does a phenomenal job on and off the court with our players. Jamal Brunt, uh, Jamal played for me. He was one of my first recruits at Randolph-Macon, and he was going to get into real estate back in Baltimore. And I said, I think you could be a heck of a coach, and he, he has sure done that. And, he, you know, he went to Richmond and worked his way up in Miami with Coach L. And then he, we got him back here uh, in the city, and, and he's with VCU now. And, and he, you know, he's these guys are all going to be head coaches. And then Brent Scott, you know, Brent was a heck of a player at Rice. I got to know him when I was there. And, you know, he played 14 years as a professional, a year in the NBA, and then at the highest level in Europe. And Big B, like, he's our big man coach, right? And when our big men look eye to eye <laughs> with their big man coach, not down at a six-foot point guard who says they're a big man coach. And 
when you can look eye to eye with a guy who was a pro playing against some of the best players in the history of the game. Uh, what a great mentor. Uh, Big B has a special relationship with our players. Uh, he's an unbelievable. But the best thing about our staff and these three coaches that will be head coaches someday, they're the greatest examples for our guys of being great husbands, great fathers, uh, you know, doing your occupation the right way and, and having great honor. And uh, we're very fortunate to have these guys around for sure. I don't take it for granted at all. And I don't take it for granted, and I'm fortunate to have you as a great friend and, uh, Thanks, Coach. and to share everything that you do. You do so much for coaches, and uh, you're a role model for the guys that work for you, and uh, And I just love everything about your program, but more importantly about you, Mike Rhodes. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks, Coach. Sir. I really appreciate you and, and for all you're doing for the game and for all these young coaches, man. Keep, keep going. Don't stop. Just starting, baby. Just starting. You got it. Hey, listen, have a great summer. Talk to you soon. You got a coach. Thanks. Tell you what, I enjoyed the heck out of that. Every time I talk to Mike Rhodes, either on a phone call, on a podcast, I'm juiced afterwards. And uh, he's a great man. He's a great leader, great coach, great family guy, great husband and father, you know. And so anytime I can be around him, only good stuff, good ideas come out of it. And that's the kind of leaders that you want. That's the kind of leader you want to be. That's the kind of leaders we need on the men's and women's side of college basketball. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Serve.